Mark chapter 10, beginning with the first verse, we read, And he left them and went to the region of Judea, and beyond the Jordan, and crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. And Pharisees came up, and in order to test him, asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. An important transition just occurred in Jesus' ministry, but you'd be forgiven if you didn't notice it. Because when Mark chapter 10 begins by observing that Jesus left where he was and started making his way to Judea, appreciate the city of Jerusalem is in Judea. Jesus has begun his final trip that will culminate in his death during the Passover festival in Jerusalem, not long from now. Yet, if you didn't pick that up from the little clues that Mark dropped, you wouldn't be alone because the people with Jesus then didn't appreciate the full significance of where he was headed and what he was going to do either. Not least of which because he continued to teach them, as was his custom. As we come to know Jesus, that's something we'll see about him. He was always teaching. Not only would he heal people, not only would he cast out evil spirits, not only would he feed people, Jesus' custom was always to teach people. He wanted those gathering to him to learn how much God loved them. He wanted them to learn how good, how abundant life is when God reigns, when we live our lives and all of our lives for him. So Jesus always taught. But that created opportunity for some of his opponents, as when the Pharisees, some of the religious elite in his society, come up to Jesus and they ask him a question not to learn, not because it was a difficult, thorny issue, which it was, even among the Pharisees, there were different schools of thoughts and debate about it. But no, the Pharisees came to ask Jesus a question for the purpose of testing him. They were trying to trip him up. They were trying to see where he stood. They were trying to expose him and tear him down. So they asked Jesus a question about divorce. Now then, and now, that can be a very painful topic. Odds are you know somebody that has lived through the pain of that. Maybe you yourself have even gone through it. So appreciate from the get-go that as this question is asked with the intent to test, it is a real question. And it is a source of great pain. But there's so much that we can learn about this real important topic by how Jesus responds to it. 
because the Pharisees came to Jesus and they wanted to have a religious debate. They wanted to talk about different rabbis' traditions and how to interpret the one scripture from Moses' law that spoke to this issue, Deuteronomy chapter 24. But that wasn't how Jesus answered. Jesus didn't simply debate the meaning of the words in the few verses that Moses wrote about the topic of divorce. Jesus framed it differently. Jesus took them all the way back to the first two pages of the Bible, to the description that Moses was inspired by God to give there of how God first created everything, including men and women, including marriage. And in answering this difficult, complicated question, Jesus got to the heart of the matter and framed it differently. He asked, instead of what did Moses mean, what did God intend? Because the reality is sin. Our desire to choose for ourselves good and evil is what makes life so painful. All of the disruption and the struggle, the difficulty we face is because of sin. So Moses' instructions about divorce recognize that. Jesus said it was because of our hard hearts that that command was even necessary. But if you go all the way back to what God's design was, what God actually intended, then you see something very different. You see it wasn't God's desire that two people should come together in something so close, something so intimate as marriage, and then have to have that ripped apart. Now, it's not uncommon for people to have that pain for all sorts of reasons. Sometimes marriages fail because we just view them as a legal arrangement. We don't see it as being significant. Sometimes marriages fail because we get into a mindset of viewing our marriages as just being about our own personal happiness. And whenever we don't feel fulfilled, whenever we don't feel loved, then we feel justified to end the marriage and to, to go seek someone that will be able to meet our needs. But as Jesus answers this complicated question, not only does he not make it just an abstract religious debate, he also appeals to something greater than our hearts, our thoughts. And feelings. He asks, what does God want? What is God's intention? Because if God is our creator, if God is good, as so many of us profess to believe, then that matters. And even if we're struggling with painful situations, with hard hearts, with unmet needs, if we set our hearts to do what God wants. Even though it may hurt for a while, his way will always be better. And God wants husbands and wives to stay together. He wants the commitment that they made to him and one another to stand, to not be ripped apart. It's still a painful issue. It can still be a complicated situation, a difficult question. But by making his words God's intention, Jesus shows us a way, navigates the way that's in the